Ideas are everywhere. Welcome to Lessons Learned in Marketing, the Phoenix Group Podcast. I'm your host, David Bellarive, and a great show for you today. You might be able to tell by the tone in my voice. I'm super excited to have with me Eric Dillon, CEO of Connexus Credit Union. There you go. Yep. All right. Well, thank you very much, Eric, for joining me. Uh, it's, it's not every day a person gets to talk to the head of a financial institution. Listen, we're just a little Saskatchewan company, and uh, it's just really great to be here. Thanks for having us. Oh, awesome. Can you? Um, can I start by maybe asking a little bit about yourself and Connexus? Can you just tell me a little bit about who you are and for yep. people who don't know? Well, I'll start about Connexus because it's existed much longer than I have. So Connexus has been a kind of a staple in the province for you know, about 85 years. And, um, you know, I think formed back in the time when um, banks weren't serving people exceptionally well, particularly in Saskatchewan. And over the last 80 years, I think we've grown into a pretty sophisticated um, financial services cooperative, but one that's really, really focused and obsesses about the wellness of our member owners. And I think that's part of um, what's fun to lead a company like this is that we don't have the same expectations of serving shareholders. We, we get to always do what's in the best interests of the consumer, which in our case is an, is an owner, as a, as a member. And, and so it makes decision making when you're the leader of a company like that, it makes decision making really easy because it's, you know, we have to build a sustainable cooperative. Um, but once that's looked after, then we get to obsess about how to best serve our community. Can that also, it could also make it harder though, because you don't have, you have, you're, you're reporting to thousands of people. How do you vet that or how do you, I guess, measure that? Well, the good news is that the people that do business with us are there, there, for the banks, there is, um, being a shareholder or a customer could be two different groups. Yeah. For us, they're, they're one and the same. So generally, what's in the best interests of our members is in the best interest of the sustainability of the company, too. So I think it's actually easier. Easier, yeah. 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 Super competitive, of course, financial world. What's that like? What are some of the challenges you're, you're looking at right now or facing right now? Well, you know, so I would just, one very quick statistic is that about 92% of our transactions today are not done in a branch. Wow, that... That's crazy. It is crazy. If you think about where, I mean, when I started in this business 25 or 30 years ago, you'd see people almost once a month. It was almost yeah. like religious, right? People yeah. would show up to, to do the deposit their paycheck or pay bills or whatever. And now today, you know, the expectation is that we're giving people convenient access to their uh, money and information about their money in a 24 seven world. And more importantly, through typically a mobile or handheld device. And then, but at the same time, I think people value convenience and access. And then what we're at least hearing from the people we serve and the research we do is that, you know, but don't lose sight of the fact that I also want advice, human-centered advice from people who have my best interests at heart. And so we're trying to build this kind of dual model with convenience and access through digital tools. And at the same time, really leveraging our core capability around um, member-focused expert advice and and again the you know the accolades we get from ipsos or Canadian federation of independent business serving small businesses seems to uh seems to say that we're doing a reasonably good job of that what do you um what is it like when you don't get to see your customers that often now because you used to be able to see them almost daily when you do banking or yeah, but I think reaching them is just different. So we spend a lot more time reaching out to our members as opposed to waiting for them to call us with some emergent need. I mean, the, 
The good news is we exist in a business with a pile of information and data, mm -hmm. so we can typically forecast or foreshadow the things that people might uh, be experiencing in their financial life. And so our team is now working very hard at being a lot more proactive to reach out in advance uh, to give people the information they need to make uh, good financial choices. And then, you know, while we might, um, you know, I think there's a place for digital tools. They also allow you to connect with people in very different ways. So again, when I started, I didn't ever expect to be sitting at my, you know, my home computer and potentially clicking and opening up a live video chat with an advisor. But today that capability exists. And so I think we can connect very differently than we could, but we haven't lost sight of the fact that our business is based on relationships and you have to have some base level of kind of human connection with people, uh, particularly when you talk about money, which is an area that you know people want to know they can trust you. Um, one thing that uh, I've always been impressed with you about is, is your uh, whole approach to what I would call branding, taking the idea of, uh, for instance, financial health or well-being and uh, making sure that that's inside out. It's not just a marketing idea. Um, and I'm going to drag some baggage from credit unions back. So, because sure. I think credit unions have had this idea about uh, taking care of, or or making sure that the member uh, best interests are taken to consideration from the beginning. But some of that's been maybe negative or viewed negatively. Like you used to not be able to um, uh, ever overextend yourself. Like credit cards were not not one of the favorite things for yeah. for credit unions. How is that changing, or what is that whole idea now about financial well-being and financial health, and and how are you bringing that forward? Well, I think we um, most institutions in our business, banks and financial services firms, they measure success uh, based on um, measurements of the institution. So whether it's growth of the institution or profitability of the institution or market share or those things. And I would say we had an aha moment at, at Conexus that the success of a financial cooperative owned by members actually should be the aggregation of the success of its members. Mm. So then we said, well, hmm, what does, it, what does being successful financially mean? And we learned a couple of really important things that actually there is not a correlation between the size of your net worth or the size of your paycheck to your kind of financial satisfaction, which was counterintuitive. We thought, you know, probably life is easier if you make more money or have more assets. But what we found was that was, there was people with high incomes or high net worths that had the same level of stress and anxiety about money, about how to plan appropriately for the future, how to fund things like kids' education, and making sure that they were making choices today that would actually line up with the goals they had for their family. So then we said, well, we, we ought to figure out a way to actually measure this. Because if that really is success for a cooperative, then, then we need to know whether the conversations and the advice we give our members actually translates into a different level of financial satisfaction. And it became rooted in things like literacy and capability. And, um, and then yet that lined up with the research is what we saw in the marketplace where people were saying they're really desperate for quality advice. That you know, mm -hmm. kids are coming out of high school not with the required skills around financial literacy. So they come out, go to university, and then there's some credit card vendor putting a 
an offer in front of them saying you should have our credit card. Well, mm-hmm. if you don't know how to use that and you don't know what it means and you go to buy a nice glossy new MacBook that it takes you five years to pay for, you know, a $2,000 MacBook now is a $8,000 MacBook, which doesn't seem like a very wise financial choice. So we got really, really passionate about measuring it. So we built our own proprietary, you know, measurement and then we're using that to make decisions so if we're going to do something at connexus we have to be able to show that it will at the end of the day influence the financial um, success or wellness of one of our one of our members and and it's not just marketing for us other places talk about this stuff Um, i would say for us it's we call it the proof so there's the problem canadians are ill-equipped to manage finances the promise we're going to make and we make today in the marketplace, but more importantly for us is the proof that you're actually better off financially. So, you know, our our one sentence explanation is you should have evidence that you're better off financially having done business with Connexus. And if we and if we can't show you that, then in our mind we failed. Now that when you say it sounds sounds really simple mm-hmm. but i know it's it's fraught with all kinds of challenges and and you even challenge your own team to constantly challenge themselves to do this what what are some of the hurdles that you've overcome or had to or still may even be overcoming to to reach this i think you know one of the things we learned was it's not a comfortable topic yeah like we don't have people calling up saying geez i have lots of stress and anxiety about money yeah and um, so we did lots of research with members, and one that I use all the time with our staff is we actually audio taped a conversation with a member and then changed her, her voice and asked for permission to share it with our staff. And what she said was, I have credit card debt that I don't tell my husband about. I cry about it when I'm not around him. It stresses me out to no end, and I don't know where to turn for help. And then she talked about her experience at Connexus. And that we asked her a few different questions and she got a bit more comfortable. Then the next time she talked to somebody, a few more. And now she's at the point where she's shared that and we're helping her with those things. And and so just, again, imagine what that feels like for her. Oh, yeah. You know, 5, 10, 15 years of hiding stuff from a loved one, stressed about it. And now to say, I'm on the path to actually making different choices and feeling better about the choices that I've made financially. And so it's not hard to convince the people that work for us around they, they work for us because they believe deeply in this purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we just need to show them that, you know, the thing, the little things that they do, whether you're an accounting analyst or a processing a staff member, you know, who doesn't maybe talk to our members every day, there's still very clear line of sight for them about the work they do and how it translates into, um, you know, Crystal, as we call her internally. But now that that also must involve a lot of uh, coaching or training as to how to approach those or how to how to have that conversation because you can't just d- dive right in. I would terrify people. I suspect. Yeah, and, and we've been at this for a few years now, training our staff about how to start those conversations differently and make it safe for members to be more authentic about the things that they dream about for their family, but also about the things that they worry about about how to save for, how to pay for kids' education or save for retirement or whether they have enough. You know, the age-old question is, do you mm-hmm. have enough to retire? And, uh, and, and these aren't, you know, they're not, they're not so complex that the average person can understand them. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, they're just not trained to understand them. And the good news is we are. And, and, if you, and if you agree that, you know, as a member, our interests are aligned with yours, uh, we would argue that it's the best place to get advice because... Um, because our success is tied inherently 
to, uh, to the su- successive members. The next step for us, and it'll happen this year, there was a lot written a year ago about financial services, our industry, and about sales targets. And there's been very high-profile scandals at Wells Fargo and other places in the world about where banks have done things that weren't aligned with Mm-hmm. And, there, and there was some reporting and those things done, investigative journalism. We're actually going to tie the, the variable compensation of our advisors to the financial wellness of our member owners. Not about the number of products they sell, but actually to the success of the households that they're expected to manage and advise. Wow. Very different in our industry, and we believe it's, uh, it's transformational. Yeah, I, I suspect um, that you, you, as a customer, feel that for sure, or as a member, feel the, the difference. When you look at the, the, the vision of where you want it to go and the overall, I guess, uh, brand of Conexus, what are, what are your thoughts around branding and, and um, what, what does that mean for you? Yeah, I, I, I would go back to the, th- um, I'm, I'm not a marketer, yeah. so I'm a credit unioner, but, but it's, it, in my head, it's just so simple. Here's the problem that consumers have financially. Here's the real promise we make to them. And, and again, for us, as important, is what's the proof that we've actually lived the promise. Mm-hmm. And I think lots of people are great at the glitzy campaign saying things in the marketplace that they will do just try but that the experience is actually something quite different um to me to me we're actually starting with the proof and working backwards and only when you know to your earlier question only when we got better at the conversations did you actually see us in the marketplace talking about you know you're going to have a different conversation only because we've spent two years training our staff on how to have it so i think most organizations would approach that differently they'd talk about it and then try to build towards it we built towards it and only when we thought we were sufficiently far along the path then we started talking to the marketplace about why and how it will be different so why that approach because there's there's um you know some people would say oh well let's tell people what we are and then we'll uh become that uh as opposed to this is who we are and then we can tell people the world is a very uh, so two things. The world's a very transparent place. And, and I think people are much more um, skeptical of promises that don't, um, don't translate into a real experience. And then the second thing is, you know, Conexus is, has 85 years of being founded on being very authentic about who they are. And, and so we're not in the business of making promises we can't keep. And so uh, we spent two or three years making sure that we could deliver that and then um, change the experience first. And, and then we're really proud to say, give it a try. It might be different. And in fact, I just talked to one of our staff the other day and um, she had never done her wealth management business with us. Hmm. Yeah. And I, and I asked her why. And then I asked her to give it a try. And, and then I said, but, but what I want you to do is I want you to be really honest with me about how it is. And I got an email from her last night saying, I've had my second meeting and, and it's changed, you know, changed our life financially. And, uh, and it is exactly what we talk about. And for me, that's the evidence that we've approached it in the right way. Yeah. Like I, I could have asked her two and a half years ago to try it, three yeah. years ago, five years ago, but we've invested heavily, got our advisors to the point where we believe. And if you ask Ipsos or others, we've won the best in banking award. I think it's 12 years in a row. Um, we are meaningfully better than the, com- than the competition in terms of the human-based advice. And, and now I think we can deliver that across wealth management, retail banking, small business, 
And again, the, you know, the accolades that we get from our customer service, um, you know, kind of recognition in the industry would, would seem to me that we're on the right path. I want to focus on or talk about something because you mentioned it, oh, sort of casually, oh, two to three years it took us to get there. That That's an enormous amount of time in a fast-paced marketing world. How did you hold off or what were the pressures? Like, how do you have this vision and be able to wait two to three years before you can tell your members about it? The, the, one, um, the one really big advantage you have when you lead a cooperative is we have a very patient capital. Okay. So we, I, you know, I, the analogies with our staff all the time is we're, we're a generational trust. And our members of today are very patient and allow us to build the financial cooperative of the future to serve their children. And it's existed that way for 85 years. I don't have to answer quarterly investor shareholder calls about driving revenue growth of 3% by right. the next quarter or else. We've laid out a very bold uh, vision to change the way banking is um, is delivered and more importantly received and our shareholders I think our members and our and our board is very patient about giving us the time and the space and the resources to build that we don't have the same pressures uh, to deliver to Bay Street that mm -hmm. you know our competitors do and and I would say we're doing a good job of leveraging that to build you know the next generation financial cooperative which will serve people in a very digital very competitive world so all that in mind, do you think it's possible for other businesses to, or would you advise other businesses to take kind of that approach where you're, you know, your, your core is, is actually fulfilling the promise you're making? Yeah, the, the, the advice I'd, I'd give you now as a kind of a business strategy person is be really clear on purpose. You know, we, um, our, our most recent version of building out the plan for Connexus, you know, everybody talks mission and vision and all that stuff. We actually threw all that out. And we answered one question. Why do we exist? What purpose do we serve? And then it's really easy to align the people you hire or the decisions you make if the organization is crystal clear on why you exist. And so, um, so I would encourage you know, others in business to just be really focused on what that is for them. Might, might be different than it is for us, and, and, that, and that's fair. But, but for us, like we obsess about this thing uh, called the financial wellness of our members. Uh, we've rolling it out in retail. We're very close to a proprietary measure for small businesses. And again, keep in mind, we already lead the industry and we're trying to disrupt ourselves. So um, I'm very optimistic that, that we've got something that will support not just, you know, established businesses, but, but if you're paying attention to Connexus, we're now investing in entrepreneurship and incubation, and we've invested you know, 10 or $20 million in Regina's first incubator with its own venture capital fund. And, and our, our argument is this is just the next generation version of what it means to support small businesses in Saskatchewan, which we've been doing for 85 years. So while it looks like it's wildly innovative and creative, we would argue it's just the next generation of what we've done for almost 100 years. I want to talk about the incubator, but I want to ask you about purpose and why why purpose is so important. Well, it, it's it's just really easy to 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 ground yourself, as I said earlier, in how you hire, in how you um, Credit in particular, Connexus takes a significant portion of what we make and returns it to community. So how do you, how you take the the good things from running a 
a very large financial cooperative like Connexus and returning the dividend of that to the community. So it's really easy to line up the investment decisions you make with your purpose. So hiring, investments, and then the decisions we make every day about running the business, it becomes the kind of ground zero. And if you ask the thousand employees that work at Connexus about what the most important thing is, my view is 99% will give you the same answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the other 1% probably started last week. <laughs> how hard how hard, or how easy was that purpose? Was it determining that? Was that like a two-hour session with the leadership team? And- no, it was, a, it was a long journey about um, keeping in mind our history of serving Saskatchewan, but also keeping in mind you know, what the expectations of financial consumers is going to be in 2020 and 2025. And, and then being well-grounded in science and research about what people demanded and expected um, for those that they trust with, you know, beyond health. The second most important thing in most people's life is their finances. Mm-hmm. And so being really respectful of what they're going to expect in the years ahead. So very long conversation with our board, with our leadership team. And in, again, in our case, we tested this with our members. And, and said, does this resonate for you with who you're trusting with your money? And what we found with all groups is it was really galvanizing for the organization and, and our members and our community. There's a lot of uh, very innovative things that Connexus is, has done in the past and is doing now. And one of them that I, I'm very excited about to see happen is, is the incubator that you touched on. Can you just sort of give us a rundown of what, what is that and, and what purpose does it serve? Well, you know, there's this return to entrepreneurship, which I think is even more exciting for our community. There's this real momentum in in Regina and Southern Saskatchewan around entrepreneurship. And um, so we were just, you know, struck by the fact that Regina didn't have a single place for a great entrepreneur or founder to go and explore building out their own business idea. And yet we were involved in lots of places. We fund some of them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as a financial institution. We, uh, we coach and spend a lot of time at university and guest lectures with, um, you know, emerging business leaders. And then keep in mind today, we have, I think, 24,000 small business customers. Wow. Yeah, which is, which is crazy when you think about it. Um, and then we, we looked around and said, well, why doesn't our community have one of these? And we thought, well, who, who could actually pull this off? Yeah. Well, is it, what about a university incubator? Well, here's the challenge with that is, again, maybe not grounded in yeah. business or serving uh, clients every day. And then, well, what about, you know, could it be done by government? Well, our, our argument at Connexus is that they are ill-positioned to support small business. And then we thought, well, so we have a relationship with academia and do yeah. work, extensive work with U of R. We have a relationship with the business community. And then we have a passion for small businesses and financial literacy and entrepreneurship. 24,000 case studies. So we thought, well, <laughs> but what could this look like? And then we started to think about, well, imagine, so if we put venture capital, because we're lucky enough that we have you know, $8 billion of resources to fuel small business. And so here's a couple of things that would illustrate why I think this makes sense for us to be so committed is... Imagine a business owner comes in and they're thinking about growing their business from four employees like a Phoenix group, you know, in Mm -hmm. its history, growing from four to 40. And they're thinking about what a growth plan might look like. Well, maybe they don't have a finance expert on staff with only four employees. Well, guess what? We're we're doing coaching with fourth-year finance students at the University of Regina. Well, why don't we bring the business owner to the kids? And instead of teaching a case from Ontario, we actually have Dave say, here's the growth challenge for Phoenix. 
Mm-hmm. And then we have fourth year finance students saying, well, here's a few things, a few options for you to consider in terms of financing that growth. The business students get real applied learning in their own backyard in a market that they understand. And real feedback. Real feedback. Business owner gets free consulting, you know, and so they're presenting their idea to expertise they don't have on staff. So we think we can marry, you know, emerging thinkers in the business world with established businesses. Um, So we think that's kind of exciting. And then I think we also have this connection with, um, with investors. So Saskatchewan and, and Connexus now has perhaps the fastest growing wealth management business in Saskatchewan. And, um, and how cool would it be if when we sat down to do your retirement plan, Dave, we said, you know, here's, you know, here's a, a mix of investments. So very traditional. So these mutual funds and these large established companies. But maybe, Dave, what about investing even a 2 or 3% of your retirement assets in a Saskatchewan fund? And then the Saskatchewan fund will be the conduit with which uh, startups and founders can access equity financing for their business. So higher risk return profile as an investment, but if, but if it's managed in an appropriate asset mix, we can now connect Saskatchewan investors to Saskatchewan startups and build our own closed loop kind of economic engine yeah. for the province. Government can't do that. They don't have a wealth management business. And, uh, and we can do it, and we think we're serving both well. On one hand, we're giving investors the opportunity to achieve above average returns on high growth companies. On the other hand, we're building an important source of venture capital funding for Saskatchewan startups. Mm-hmm. Well, who else in our province is positioned to do that that's solely focused on Saskatchewan? Well, we looked around and went, well, nobody. So if, if we can bring all that to the table and then reach out because of our relationships in the community and, and bring entrepreneurs, you know, like we've talked to the Rachel Milkies and the Murad Al-Khatibs, you know, these are world famous entrepreneurs and ask them questions about how to better support, you know, them when they were just emerging. And then, and maybe academia and business, young business leaders together with venture capital, together with government, together with university, we think we're probably the only one positioned to to have a run at this and so our board is fully committed and the response from the community in the last six months as we started talking more openly about this idea has been like unbelievably overwhelming and um and if you haven't uh, checked out the hashtag audacity yqr <laughs> uh, i would encourage you to go on the social media feeds for both of those and and hear and see about some of the real cool saskatchewan uh, success stories around entrepreneurship. There's more than you think. It, it is really great. And I love the idea because we believe in ourselves like as Saskatchewan people and we believe in the province and in our entrepreneurs. What what can we expect to see in this? How will this materialize? So we're very close to having our first version of the business plan, uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Um, and then you're going to see, if you go to connexusbuildingcommunities.ca, you can see there's, uh, we're po- posting information online for our community to see about our plans around the incubator. And we'll be talking very openly about venture capital funding and engaging others from our community, institutional investors and retail investors. So we're making our approach very, very public. And then we're working very close with Economic Development Regina's Council for Entrepreneurship, uh, which engages, uh, most importantly, founders. Mm-hmm. And uh, and kind of galvanizing this whole ecosystem around supporting entrepreneurs. And, and my hope is that, you know, in, in a few months' time, we'll see a very different, no wrong door, more, much more coordinated approach. If you're a founder in Regina, you'll kind of, my, my, 
my hope is that you'll feel this kind of groundswell of support, whether it's mentorship or funding or just being pointed in the right direction or connected to another uh, entrepreneur that's maybe farther down the path you are. Um, and, and we should really leverage the smallness of our Regina business community. You can't pull that off in a Calgary or an Edmonton or a Toronto where that's 5,000 people. You know, in Regina, you know, the president of the university knows the president of the credit union who knows the president of economic development Regina who knows five founders who are willing to mentor. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can convene that community much easier than any other community in the country and we should leverage the heck out of that. Um, what will um, what are you hoping for from the community to engage with this as as investors or or is uh, will there be participation at all? Yeah, well, our hope is the community a will start to recognize and celebrate entrepreneurship as a very viable career option. They'll recognize that you can do it right here at home. Uh, they'll shop at those places and and spend their time and energy. Uh, we have some people touring our business from Australia today, and we took them to Rebellion. Very cool local success story, mm-hmm. uh, and showed them around a very neat little business, and they, and they were thrilled to death to do it. So I, I just think there's this kind of return to what it means to build um, sustainable local economic ecosystems. And I, and I think entrepreneurship is one of the it's one of the things that we're going to have to unlock as a province to achieve the prosperity that I think, you know, the leaders of the province talk about. And, um, and I think we can do that in a very meaningful way, including engaging First Nations and Indigenous entrepreneurs, which is a very big part of our strategy, because um, I think there's a real opportunity there that hasn't been leveraged in Saskatchewan. For sure, for sure. Just a couple of questions to wrap up. So, Eric, best advice you've ever received? Um, be you. <laughs> Oh, that's great. As a a business leader, it's easy to read articles about what others have done or what's been successful for, you know, the business, the Elon Musks of the world that everybody talks about. At the same time, though, uh, you have to be yourself. And and I would just encourage people as they're on their kind of business leadership journey to just not forget their purpose and not forget where they came from. And uh, so while you're learning about being a better leader, it's important to be you. I think uh, that's that's great advice, and and uh, I certainly see you living that a lot. Like, there's I, I don't know if there's a more approachable person uh, as far as a head of a financial oh. institution or even leading a, a large company. So, well, we, we just think of ourselves as a really small company having great success in Saskatchewan. So we don't think of ourselves as a large financial institution at all. And uh, I talk to our member owners just about every day. Then the other question I have, and I know you said you're not a marketer, but uh, there is lessons learned in marketing is the podcast. So what lessons have you learned or what is the uh, what is the most recent or biggest lesson you've learned in marketing? That your brand is is not what you think it is. It's what the market thinks it is. Mm-hmm. And it's much more important to focus on what people are saying about you than what you're saying about yourself why like why why would I well because I think perception is reality like I think about the way that I shop and consume services Um, if it's something important to me I'll spend time you know researching thinking does that company actually act in you know in a way that resonates with the things it says Mm -hmm. Uh, are they who they say they are can I trust them do I want to do business with them Do do I believe in them and so lots of companies say they do those things, but really the experience that people receive um, in procuring and doing business with them is a much, is much 
more evidence of whether they're actually delivering it or not. And, and it's easy as business leaders to get locked in on, well, you know, here's what we're saying about ourselves. And, and if you never go out and actually test that and do secret shopping of your own, uh, you know, to the earlier when I was checking in with this employee and about her experience yeah. and not filtered through any part of the organization, but basically her telling me, what was it like? What could we do better? Um, it's much more impactful than, you know, the stuff that you read that's produced from, you know, branders or marketers or uh, getting firsthand feedback. Yeah, it comes back to <clears throat> the transparency that you talked about. We used to say that um, a business was like a box and you could paint it any color you wanted, but now it's like a glass box and everybody looks right actually. in and, yeah. and can see everything that's going on. And you better be who you say you are or the, or the market will punish you. Yes. Yeah. Cool. On that note, thank you very much, Eric. Really appreciate uh, you spending some time with us. Yeah, thanks for having me.